Hi guys, and welcome back to Mama Moon's Journey. I am your host, Emily Luna, and that was just a little taste of Tosh Sultana's song, Free Mind, on her Flow State album. I highly recommend listening to her if you really like that nice, smooth, relaxing um, type of rhythm. It's just really good for the soul and personally one of my favorites. So I just want to dive right in today and um, just first thank you guys for continuing on this journey. This is episode three and today we're going to be discussing anxiety. We'll be talking about the most common types how to recognize anxiety, whether it's personally affecting you or someone you know, and how to overcome and or cope with it. Now, some of you may understand anxiety as a generalized term that correlates to a feeling of being uneasy or paranoid, maybe even both. You may think that anxiety is only something you experience when you are put in certain situations or you're under stress. But the truth is, there are various reasons you may have or feel anxiety. So let's start off by discussing the six most common types of anxiety. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, there are five major types of anxiety, which include generalized anxiety disorder or GAD, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, also commonly known as PTSD, social phobia or social anxiety disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder, which is also known as OCD. Now, if you're following along closely, you may recall me mentioning that we would be discussing six types, but I just listed five. That's because the Department of Health and Human Services didn't mention postpartum anxiety, which is the anxiety that I'm still working through. So let me go ahead and give you a quick overview of each type of anxiety to help you identify the main characteristics of each one. So according to Healthline.com, generalized anxiety disorder causes consistent and uncontrollable worry in some of the most common situations in daily activities. So for example, if you have GAD or you know someone that has it as well, you may find yourself or them excessively worrying about something that is very common in day-to-day life, like driving to work or paying bills. And you may also have a constant feeling of worry throughout your day over something you might not be able to pinpoint. So you might just be feeling worried because in your mind, you just know that something bad is going to happen, even if it never does. Some symptoms may include difficulty sleeping, concentrating, or irritability. But of course, that's not the only set of symptoms. There's much more. According to the American Psychological Association, one out of 75 people might experience panic disorder. Now, this particular type of anxiety revolves around intense fear or discomfort that can come and go within minutes. You might automatically associate that with a panic attack, which is precisely correct in this case. And the panic attacks can occur for no apparent reason with common excuse me, symptoms, including shaking, chest pain or tightness, and shortness of breath. So people may feel like they are not even a part of reality or they have a detachment from themselves, which is also something that is very hard to control, but it can be done if you start by recognizing that and maybe 
you can find the right resources to cope with that properly. Now, PTSD is something that most people are aware of because we hear about this disorder in veterans or those who are currently serving. And this particular type of anxiety is also experienced by others who have been in or have seen traumatic events like a car crash, physical or sexual abuse, and even natural disasters. This disorder is notorious for unfortunate and disruptive symptoms that are comprised of vivid flashbacks, mental and or physical discomfort when reminded of the causing event, and a varied effect on emotional capabilities and understanding. And before I go on, I would just like to take a moment and thank any of you or your loved ones for your service and courage in protecting our country. We are forever indebted to you. Social phobia or social anxiety is usually misinterpreted for shyness or stage fright, which is a common misconception. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, 15 million American adults have social anxiety disorder with symptoms that can start around the age of 13. 13, that is when you are barely starting to figure out just your body, who you are, what you like, what you don't like. You know, you're still trying to get a hold on life. And so can you imagine experiencing symptoms that include nausea, excessive sweating, and difficulty speaking just at the young age of 13? So next time you see someone that is, you know, around middle school age or even an adult um, that has these type of symptoms, you know, they're constantly fidgeting, um, they might misspeak a lot or they don't speak at all, they, don't, they feel very nervous, um, they ex- excessively sweat or maybe they just can't even speak in a crowd or or have a basic conversation with someone on a one-on-one basis, that's not because they're shy. That's because they could be, you know, someone that has social phobia or social anxiety. So OCD is another common but misunderstood disorder, which you may notice as a repetitive and obsessive set of behaviors. Now that can be very overwhelming because those that have OCD may complete tasks multiple times They might have uncontrollable thoughts and fears, but most noticeably, excuse me, I can't speak today, Um, most noticeably, there are countless triggers that are usually present in social interactions. So examples might include someone that avoids shaking hands, someone that has trouble staying on time or on schedule, and a person that might have a constant need for reassurance. Some people refer to having OCD as like a beaming compliment. You know, when someone's very clean or tidy, they say like, oh, haha, you must have OCD. And I can say with all honesty that I have done this a time or two in the past. And after properly researching and educating myself on the realities of OCD, I think it's safe to say that this disorder, like many, is nothing to joke about. You know, there's people that have OCD that literally cannot function because it just takes over their entire life. You know, they might have to do something 30 times because in their mind, that's what makes sense or that's what calms them. That's what brings them back to reality. And that is their reality. So um, that is just another common type of anxiety. So that covers the five that I outlined originally. And like I said, there's one more that makes the whole six 
types of anxiety. And that last one is going to be postpartum anxiety. Now, everyone is starting to become a little bit more aware of postpartum depression, which goes without saying, it's still a taboo subject that I think we need to be more open about within society. But we still have not brought our understanding of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety to the same level as we do with PTSD, GAD, OCD, and so on. And even then, those are still things that we're trying to figure out. So the Postpartum Support International acknowledges that 6% of pregnant women and 10% of postpartum women develop anxiety, and they sometimes experience anxiety along with depression. So it's not just one or the other, it can be both. But why do mothers feel compelled to keep it a secret? Or why do they automatically feel ashamed by these feelings, especially after they've just given birth? I truly think that it's because we just aren't talking about it enough. And that's why I'm using this platform as an open conversation. And this is my experience with postpartum anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that everyone's going to have the same experience. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy thing for people to get over because it's not. And anxiety is a real issue that many people have to deal with and face every day. And I don't want anyone to take this as me just lightly discussing it. But I just want to shed some light on my personal experience. So for me, I didn't really understand what postpartum anxiety was until I kind of had an aha moment with my husband. Um, It was about a month in after I had Layla. And of course, you're overwhelmed with excitement and happiness. And you're also overwhelmed with, you know, the new schedule that you're on with diaper changes, feedings every three hours, you know, the whole new parent mommy bit. But I just remember like not really resting, which is weird for me because I love to sleep, but it was just weird because I could not fully fall asleep because I was always worried that she wasn't breathing. And I know that sounds a little bit like, okay, you're being dramatic, but no, like I would have her next to me. We would do kind of a co-sleeping arrangement, but she would be in a bassinet that was right next to my bed really pushed up against my bed. Um, but anyways, I just, I wouldn't be able to fully fall asleep because I was just sure that if I did, that would be when she would need my attention because she might stop breathing or, you know, she might spit up and that would cause her to choke. I don't know. It was just a terrible feeling that I had and I just couldn't rest. Um, and so even when people were like, oh, she sleeps through the day, like she has a good sleeping schedule, you need to sleep when she's going to sleep. Yeah, right. That is when I was the most stressed out because when she was asleep, I was like, I have to make sure nothing's going to happen so I can't rest. I can't relax. And of course, babies sleep like, let's say you've got a 12 hour day. And out of those 12 hours, the baby is up for two hours. So you've got 10 hours of sleeping for the daytime. And then nighttime comes and you've got the same process. And so I was up for 20 hours at a time. Like, you know, I'm not going to lie, I did take cat naps, but that was just because I really couldn't avoid it anymore. And that was that. But anyways, off of my tangent of sleeping, not sleeping, I truly had... Um, 
a moment of realization when I just told my husband, I was like, you know, I have to tell you something and please don't judge me. Don't think I'm a bad mom, but I have this terrible feeling and I really don't know what I'm going to do when I have to go back to work. And he was like, okay, well, what is it? You know, spit it out. And I just finally told him like, what if I drop her? What if, you know, I go back to work and whoever takes care of her, because we didn't know at the time who was going to, um, it could have been my mom. It could have been my mother-in-law. It could have been my sister-in-law. It could have been my own sister or, you know, a complete random stranger that has great reviews on care.com. I don't know. But I literally, I just couldn't help but think like, what if someone drops her or what if I'm just handing her to a family member for them to hold her and they drop her or, you know, what if this terrible thing happens? Like she suffers from, you know, sudden infant death syndrome and she just doesn't, you know, of course wake up and it's terrible. It even makes me cringe to talk about it now, but that was the aha moment because my husband's like, oh, so you have anxiety. And I was like, mm, I guess <laughs> like, okay, Dr. Jonathan, like, I don't know, maybe I do. And he's like, no, like you just feel anxious about every little thing with her. And I was like, yeah, like I just feel overwhelmed. My chest gets tight. I, I start to panic and I can lose my breath over it. And it's just this crazy intense feeling that I've never had before. And he's like, oh yeah, like I've felt that before because my husband suffered from anxiety when he was in middle school and high school. And it was a different form of anxiety, of course, but he had symptoms very similar. So when I opened up to him about this, it kind of made me realize like, wow, let me do some research and see if I'm the only one that feels this way. And when you're a new mom or, or just in general, like if you're just a human that has a cell phone and access to the internet, I think Google is your best friend. So for me, I Google everything. If I have a question about an illness or something, which you shouldn't do, again, I think I've mentioned this, just don't go on WebMD and look up all the different symptoms you have because odds are you're going to find out you're dying in the next two seconds, which is (laughs) completely inaccurate. But yeah, Google was my best friend and I just started researching like anxiety after having a baby. And then of course, postpartum anxiety popped up and I was like, okay, I feel a little silly. I've heard of postpartum depression, which my mom warned me about. She's like, you're going to get it. I had it. You're going to for sure get it. And I knew a few women in my life that had it. And I, I could recognize that it was there. And for me, it was just important to support them or try to offer support because I knew that later on, if I ever had kids, I would want that same support. And when I did, um, I, I appreciated it when I did get it, but I didn't need it for postpartum depression. I needed it for postpartum anxiety. So what I did after I did plenty of research and I'm not talking like, Oh, a few searches of it. No, I'm talking extensive hours up all night. Um, research. I decided that I was not going to put myself in a position where I felt like a victim. Like I felt like this anxiety was taking over my life. I wanted to really get in front of it and try to take it on at face value and just say like, okay, we're going to deal with this 
and we are going to get through this. And I'm lucky because I did have a lot of support from my husband. I had a lot of support from friends and family. And that was my biggest ally. I don't want to say that I'm over it because there are still moments that it creeps in. There's still moments we'll be driving in the car and Layla's asleep. Everything's fine. Jonathan's driving. He's completely capable. And I'm like, oh my God, what if we crash right now? And I don't even care what happens to me, but what, what if something happens to her? And oh my God, like it, it can just spiral out of control. So the first step is just calming yourself down and, and realizing, okay, is this real? Is this happening? Is it realistic? Okay. Moving forward. Is it going to happen? Can I prevent it? Is worrying over it going to help any? No. All right. And then finally, just finding a way to get yourself to snap out of it. And that might seem a little seem or sound a little abrasive, but you kind of just have to tell yourself like you're being ridiculous. Or maybe for me, I like to tell myself like, Emily, you're being ridiculous. But I think for other people, just tell yourself like, okay, you're not being rational right now, which is okay. But you need to take a few breaths and get through this and realize that this is not your reality. This is not happening. Or you know, maybe this is happening and you have every right to be worried about it, but you also need to get through it. You kind of have to pull yourself up and say like, okay, this is how I feel. How am I going to deal with it? You can't just keep letting yourself get stuck in those feelings and let them overwhelm you. Once you do that, I think it's a good idea to write those things down. Like write down what situation you were in that made you start to get that anxiety? What situation were you in that caused you that stress? And I think that's recognizing the triggers because each anxiety has different triggers. And of course, when I was talking earlier about the different types, you guys hear the word disorder and you might be like, no, I don't have that. I don't have a disorder. It's, it's nothing negative, but it's just, that's just how it's categorized. You know, nothing bad, nothing to be ashamed of. But like I said, you need to realize what the triggers are. And when you find out what those triggers are, you need to write those down or, you know, make a note in your phone, something that you are going to be able to go back and reflect on. So you can say, okay, when I'm put in these types of situations, whether it's a social situation or a personal situation that you might come across, you know, during your daily routine, when I'm put in this situation, I start to feel this way and I don't like that feeling. And once I have this feeling, I kind of go into a downward spiral. Once you realize that, you can start to pull yourself out of those situations. So aside from postpartum anxiety, if you get anxiety in social situations, of course, the answer to getting better is not to completely pull yourself out of those situations because then you're just kind of avoiding the problem. But if you're having social anxiety, you need to recognize, okay, when I'm around these people, I feel this way and it doesn't make me feel very good. So then you can kind of pinpoint, is it the person? Maybe it's a person that you feel is judging you all the time and maybe they really are and you're totally valid in feeling that way. Then they are not for you. They are not someone you need to have in your life. And I'm sorry, I hate to say this, and please no one that I know 
closely or any anything like a family member or friend, don't take this personally because it is not relevant towards anyone in my life. But if someone is in your life that is not good for you, like they cause you stress, they cause you anxiety, they cause you pain, they cause you a whole bunch of emotional turmoil, they need to go. They don't need to be in your life. There is a reason that you should be avoiding them. And like my mom says, everyone has a snake alarm, which means, you know, you just feel alerted or some type of way when they're around. Go with that. Go with your gut. And if it's a family member, you have every right to stay away. I know a lot of people say like, well, that's family. And, you know, sometimes the excuse is, oh, well, you know how that person is. Oh, you know how they are. They just act that way. Or that's just how they do things. Or that's just why they say this and this and this. No. If that's someone that's causing you any type of emotional damage or mental instability, you don't need them. I'm sorry. It's the point blank period. Get them out of your lives. And I hate to say, but for a while after I had Layla, that person for me, and I've been able to get through this with her, um, but that person for me was my mom. I love my mom to death. She gave birth to me. You know, if Layla didn't like me or had a problem with me, I would feel like crap. But I don't know. My mom's got her own things going on. And I'm not using that as an excuse, but she would say things that just stress me out. Like she'd be like, oh, did you hear, you know, this virus is going around and if a baby gets it, it can die. And then I'd be like, oh my God, it's in the air. Layla's going to get it. She's going to die. What am I going to do? I'm going to die. Like it would just bring on this intense, like overwhelming wave of irrelevant thoughts and It would just be over something that she just said so passively because she just doesn't have a filter. And so for a while in the beginning, I had to decide when it was enough time with her. Like I would want her to see the baby. I would go to her, you know, just for mommy advice or mommy venting because that's, you know, I always go to her. But I had to kind of start like pulling away and saying like, okay, this amount of time is good because after this certain time period, this is when she gets a little, you know, unfiltered and that makes me uncomfortable. So I just started to realize what types of situations I would go through with her that would make me have um, increased anxiety. And that was a way that I was able to overcome it with her. And of course, she was not the only reason that I had anxiety or still have anxiety, but being able to recognize that situation that brought on the anxiety was the most beneficial thing I could have done. So finding what situation you're being put in and being able to turn that around or being able to kind of rearrange how you deal with that situation is helpful. So again, like if you have social anxiety, try not to put yourself in social situations that are going to bring on more anxiety, more panic, more stress. Um, generalized anxiety disorder. So it's really hard to try to find the triggers for that because it can be anything and everything, or it can be nothing. You could be worrying about something that does not exist. You don't even know what it is. And you're just worrying about it because you, you know, in your heart of hearts, like, oh, something's going to happen. Something bad and terrible and drastic is going to happen. And 
it's going to be hard for you to get through that, but you just have to find like when you're kind of going down that rabbit hole. You just really have to pinpoint when you start to go down the rabbit hole. So for example, when you're driving on your way home and maybe you're in traffic and you just have a bad feeling like something's going to happen, take a few breaths, roll down the window, listen to some music and get your mind off of it. And if you can't, just tell yourself like, okay, I'm worried, I'm scared, or this is how I'm feeling and that is relevant because that's something that I'm feeling. But the situation right now is not relevant. Nothing bad is happening. I'm okay, I'm safe, and I'm going to make it home. And just let that be the constant kind of reminder until you get home. And then what do you know? You've gotten through a whole drive and instead of thinking something bad's going to happen, I can feel it. And just continuing on with that path, you spent the rest of the drive saying like, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm going to make it home. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm going to make it home. And then you're home. Everything's fine. And you just kind of have to take it as it comes. That is how I believe you can deal with a few of those moments of anxiety or those different types of anxieties. But I will be honest in saying it takes time and you have to give yourself the self-love that you deserve. You have to give yourself the time that you need because if you try to rush yourself through those moments or you try to rush yourself to recovering, you're never going to get there because it is not a process that can be rushed. It's very delicate And if people around you cannot support that, or you don't feel like you can't be, like you feel like, oh, I can't be open, then you need to do what is best for your mental health and well-being, and you need to adjust your lifestyle and your settings. So if you have family members that think you're just faking it, or they think you're being ridiculous, or you have friends that are like, oh, she just wants attention, I'm sorry, they need to go. If it's social media, if you're on social media and you're scrolling through things and that starts to cause you anxiety, or maybe it just starts to make you feel bad, log off of social media. You don't need it in your life constantly. So if you need a break, take a break. You know, you have to get yourself in the right environment. And that really is the start to coping and hopefully, eventually, overcoming whatever anxiety you have. So this was just a little insight to my experience with postpartum anxiety and just a general overview of different anxieties in case you or someone you know could have it. And I really hope that you guys take mental wellness and health seriously because I think that's something that is becoming a more positive conversation that we're able to offer resources and support, but it's not going to continue to grow and develop if we don't continue the conversations. So I really hope you guys take this seriously, and I would love to hear anything that you might think is helpful for others that are dealing with anxiety or know someone with anxiety, maybe a personal experience. So please go to Mama Moon's Journey on Instagram and you can follow me and I'd love for you guys to put maybe a comment underneath that post or you can direct message me if it's a little more private. I will keep you anonymous and I would just love to do a quick overview 
of your guys's responses and how you overcome or cope with anxiety or how you might try to help someone that you know that has it. Again, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Rate, review. I would love your honest feedback and I am excited to continue the journey with you guys. Thank you for listening and as always, stay true to yourself.